Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. And welcome to this week's episode of Geek Tower Radio. I'm Dave, and I have with me Gray. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. We're uh, we had a bit of a week off last week because of uh, it being MCM Comic Con and various things being being kind of busy and launching stuff and things to do with the websites and Bex breaking a leg and no <laughs> well, I didn't know about that well not not broken it but it is in she's messed up a knee and it's in a big oh. cast th- or a straight thing so get well soon oh, Bex big she's, love uh, to Bex big yes, love to Bex she's uh, she, like an idiot she was walking around on it for about a month before uh, she actually bothered to go and do anything about it because she didn't think she'd done that much damage and it turns oh. out she's done quite a lot of damage so and and also it's catching because one of her friends who is another retro gamer well we're at MCM managed to mess up his leg as well. Oh my <laughs> um, word. Um, he, no, you stay away from them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's not me, it's Vex. It's Vex. You need to stay away from Vex. She's dangerous. It's the uh, the leg breaking is catching. So, <laughs> so how have things been with you anyway? Yeah, look, I mean, it's always busy with me. I mean, I say it every time here, but I have, uh, yes, been absolutely swamped. I have been sort of settling in my flat still, which I've moved to, yes. um, getting ready for Christmas. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's been good, and I have been trying to get through as much as I can with TV as uh, as possible, really. Yes. Um, yeah. So I'll talk about some of the things I have been watching since I was last on, probably about five, six weeks ago. Um, I am watching The Good Place. Um, yes. I thought it had a little dip in the middle. I know I know you're a huge fan, yeah. but I just felt there are a couple of episodes, I think about episode three, four, five, I wasn't loving it. I really mm-hmm. felt it had lost it, but then the last two... Um, really were brilliant. I was back. I was hooked. I was uh, really going with it. And actually, I like what they've started. As a spoiler alert, really, the the fight scene um, was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I just was yes. absolutely loved that clip. Yes, um, so it was awesome. That was good. Um, gutted that it was only eight episodes. I mean, I was surprised myself when it sort of suddenly wasn't on again this Friday. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that returning. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, it's only quite a short run. It's only like a 13 episode run as well. So even when it comes back, there aren't like another eight episodes. It's only a few more episodes left. I'm sure I can go to E4 to get my fill of it in the meantime. Um, yes. I'm sure we're going to talk about that a bit later. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I am keeping up to date out of everything in the, the sphere of watching. The ones I'm trying to keep up to date with as much as possible is The Flash and 911. Yes. Uh, those are my sort of like ones I keep dipping into. Um, they're my regular sort of train journey or while I'm cooking dinner have that on and watching that i'm still loving both of those i think the production quality on 911 is just phenomenal it's just something does something different with from all the other um sort of procedural dramas it just just got a different take to it Mm. um so i'm really enjoying that i like the way that it's it's put together and they they almost theme some of the episodes where you know they 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 had one that was about awful people a few weeks ago where every person that they met were were sort of different variations on awful people and that was a sort of theme through the episode and and i like the fact that they do things like that you know they and they opened it with a sort of overarching story over like three episodes and you don't get that yes. as much with procedural oh, so it's really nicely episode as well yeah yeah the the earthquake episodes i thought were brilliant uh, it's it just really really nicely well put together procedural that is i'm really yeah. enjoying it and then over this time I, I was really catching up all the bbc dramas i had a real backload at a certain point and um I'd finished Wanderlust, Informer, Black Earth Rising and The Cry in about a space of two weeks. <laughs> well um, done. And so, I, and obviously when you're watching a BBC drama, they're full on one hour pieces there's, and you'll really have to focus and concentrate. Um, and I hated The Cry after episode one. I, I was nearly going to give up, but then a few people said, no, no, you've got to keep going. And The Cry was brilliant. Informer, phenomenal. I thought that was brilliant. Um, if people want to go and watch that, it's still there. Paddy Considine is really, really, really good series. Wanderlust, I'd take it or leave it. And Black Earth Rising, oh, my brain hurt watching that. It was so political. Mm. Um, and while I appreciate what they were doing, it was really a really tough intellectual watch. And uh, sometimes that just doesn't do my brain very well. <laughs> no, no. I've not seen any of those. So uh, I might go and try and catch up with some of them if they're still around on iPlayer over, yeah, over the I would Christmas recommend period. Informer, Dave. I think you'd really like Informer. Okay, yeah. I'll, I will so go really. check that out. Over on Netflix, I finally finished uh, Mindhunter and Glow Season 2. As I'm always a little bit behind on my Netflix series, um, but I'm, I try and binge them when I can. So I finished those this week and um, I am um, sort of like moving on to a few new series um, on Netflix, which I, I so I'm really hooked by the Sinner. I've seen a lot of advertisement for the Sinner. Oh yes, and I didn't I didn't watch that when it was first released, so I've added that to my to view list. Yes, and um, hopefully I've not watched any of Glow yet, but um, Mindhunter I thought was brilliant. I thought that was a superb series, a dramatization looking into sort of real life serial killers, which yeah, is really yeah. clever. Very, very Um, well done. The last few episodes really picked up and got a lot better, in my opinion. Mm. Um, And then just last week, I attended the Avengers exhibition Station, or S-T-A-T-I-O-N. Yes. um, And my review will go on Geek Town shortly. I've I've just finished writing it. I wasn't hugely impressed, unfortunately. I can see what they were trying to do, but I don't think it was fully executed in the way they could have executed it. And I think there was a lot more potential um, I'm not sure if it's going to get better. And we were seeing the opening night and there were still finishing touches to be made. Um, but if you are a real hardcore MCU fan already, I don't think there's going to be anything in there that 
makes you go, wow, oh, Mark, I'm so, you know, there are little pieces that will make you smile, the Thor's hammer, the Cap's shield, um, you uh, uh, get on Cap's bike and things <laughs> like that. But I don't, there was something missing in my mind that didn't make it stand up. And the ones I was comparing to, and in my review, I repair, I compare it to Harry Potter and Friends, two immersive experiences I've been to. Yeah. And it just, and it just didn't compare. And, you know, they advised that this will take you two hours to get round. We were around and out, but in 45 minutes. Right. Um, and it was just, I'm not sure it's it's worth that much. And then I started thinking, okay, who will it really appeal to? And I'm thinking those really young people that may not have been there for the first inception of MCU, you know, the early Iron Man films, the early Hulk films, maybe they should try watch, uh, going there and they would learn loads. And, but there's loads of reading. You really have to right. be switched on. Yeah, it's a bit like a museum, but not in hugely engaging. I think you're paying too much to go into a museum there. Right, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's interesting because I remember when Bex did the DC exhibit when they brought that and she had the same sort of feeling of, of you know, she enjoyed going to see all the stuff, but there was a lot of reading of things, you mm. know. So for certainly for younger kids, it would have been quite a lot of work because you would have had to have gone and like read everything. And, you know, there wasn't as much to engage with as mm. maybe she would have liked, you know, it was good, but, and there were interesting stuff and there was comic book stuff there. Whereas did, I mean, did they add comic, like straight comic book stuff into? No, not really. I mean, yeah, you see, there that's was a mistake. So, yeah. There's so much more that could have been done. Um, it was very much here. You're in the Iron Man room. Now you're in the Hulk room. Now you're in the cat room. Now you're in the Thor room. Oh, what about everyone else? Oh, they're just going to have one room together. Um, right. And it was a little bit, oh, okay, you've lost it. And then not all of them were there. I was like, okay, there's the Thanos bit, the other side, but you're still missing other members of the team. There were lovely props, and I get that, but I felt there could have been more context to why they were there. Give me a little a little brass element underneath. Tell me what film they're in, um, because you know that would engage the children first seen in Captain America Civil War would have been just a nice little touch to yeah, yeah. the sort of the items. Good for photos. You can take some good photos, but I, we moved around it very quickly, mm. um, and I was a little bit lost the technology they have for some of the interactive elements in like if you think about it it's really good but it didn't work and inspire me you know a mid 30s year old man who's been into <laughs> comic books and cut into the mcu for years it didn't it drive me to go and tell my friends to go but i would have ditched the whole element that you're being inducted into this new secret organization and i would have purely thrown loads of like uh, behind the scenes what happened when they filmed this who starred as this you know oh, that yeah. would have been really bringing it to life a little bit more so yeah that's my yeah. review okay so. well yeah so so something for for people who are our fans and it you know, might be worth it if you're in the area so yeah, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't encourage people to spend lots of money traveling and then to pay the ticket price. I, I wonder if you know it wouldn't you'd be a little bit disappointed so right okay yeah so.
Fair enough. Dave, what about yourself? Um, So for me, one of the main shows I've been watching this week is uh, Narcos Mexico, which is the continuation of the Narcos series, but moves everything from Colombia to Mexico now because they've kind of done all the Colombian cartel stuff already. Mm. Really, really solid. The two leads are Diego Luna, who plays Felix, who's the leader of the uh, Guadalajara cartel, and uh, Michael Peña, who plays Kiki, who was a a DEA agent, who he's sort of sent down to Mexico to to work with this very small DEA team. It's really funny, this being the early 80s, you know, people think of the DEA like, you know, the CIA or the FBI, or which is sort of what it is now. Back in the early 80s, it was like the beaten, unwanted stepchild of the the agencies, you know. It was was this tiny little agency. So they were kind of underfunded, under-resourced, dealing with a Mexico which is horrifically corrupt corrupt and uh, trying to stop at the time it was it was initially sort of the influx of weed into the US and then of course coke which came afterwards it really tells the story of uh, the leader of this cartel who started out in weed and then ended up teaming up with some of the Colombian cartels to move their drugs through Mexico to move their coke through Mexico so um, it, it's sort of telling the first bit of, of his story, really. The disadvantage this maybe has over the original series is you don't have a big name in there that you might recognise like Pablo Escobar, you know, because Escobar is, is is sort of this mythical kind yeah. of figure and... and you know, he was the thing that they hung the first season on. Um, it's still exactly the same sort of thing. If you liked Narcos, you're going to like this. It's very much done in Mexican and in or Spanish and American. So there is a lot of subtitle reading. So if you're not into that, then, you know, that that's an issue. But it's brilliantly acted. It's wonderfully put together. It's very much what you've come from, come to expect from a Narco series. There are a couple of cameos from some faces you will recognise from the original Narcos series as well. Because uh, bear in mind that this timeline-wise, alongside the original show, pretty much. Um, Is it still uh, as factual, like... To the same extent, they've tweaked certain things. There are a couple of characters in there who are, are based on characters that did exist, but it's particularly the women for some reason. They've changed a couple of the female characters who are based on, on, on women that did exist in that world. They've just, for whatever reason, had to change the names and slightly altered exactly what happened. But as, as a general rule, you know, it, it comes up with the title card at the start, which, which sort of says, you know, these are based on real life events however certain Uh, things have been changed for dramatic purposes so you know they've messed a little bit with the timeline but they did that with narcos as well it doesn't really affect it it's just trying to improve the story and make it a bit more of a cohesive story but yeah it's absolutely fascinating looking at that bit of of the whole jigsaw puzzle that is that south american drug trade it very much finishes on a on a point where you can move forward because ironically the the one name that people may know from the mexican drug cartels is el chapo who does appear in this but he's a very very minor character but he as most people or you know the people that any know anything about the cartels will know that he became quite a major figure in the cartel so it's quite interesting to see him in his very kind of early career as part of of the guatalajara cartel and he will obviously become a larger figure assuming they make more seasons of this 
this, which I'm guessing they will do. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, very, very well worth watching, particularly if you're a fan of the original Nar- Narcos, uh, worth going back to. I also saw Ant-Man and Wasp, which I know I'm, hey. way, behind, I'm way, way behind on. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Ant-Man and Wasp, again, starting uh, Michael Peña is one of the stars of that. Really enjoyed it. I mean, it's a solid Marvel good, good, film. Good. Perfectly solid Marvel film. I I don't think anything's going to beat Infinity War this year for me in terms of the Marvel movies. But uh, yeah, I mean, perfectly workable, decent Marvel movie. Thoroughly enjoyable. I love the I love the little things like the um, the way that they deal with the cars, and he you know he has a he has a sort of little toy box of cars which they use to shrink and grow them and shrink them as they need them. Which I thought was great. It was a nice antidote to some of some of the dread of the the end of Infinity War. I just thought it was a nice little comic tweak, and it worked quite well when I saw it. I was like, oh, that's quite nice to have a little bit of a comedy breakup. Yes, and and the post credit stuff in that I thought was uh, was very clever as well because that. That sort of starts to tie it all in as well. Yeah. So uh, yes, that I really enjoyed. Um, that's out now, I think, on DVD. You can go and buy it on DVD, Blu-ray, and Sky. I've got it on there as well to yeah. download. Walking Dead finished. Um, really solid first half to uh, this new season which is uh, season nine i don't want to talk too much about walking dead because you know we do an entire podcast with matt on on this so i won't go into it too much other than say if you dropped out of walking dead after the end of season eight because bits of season eight was like trudging through mud now is a good time to jump back into it because it's a new showrunner they've introduced a very very interesting group of antagonists for this new season and it's just it's got a new life to it it's it's very I've heard different. a lot of good things about it i mean i i gave up i think early season eight um right. and i've just heard so many positive things about the post rick um yeah. walking dead so yeah i mean the the first sort of five episodes of the show are really getting rid of of rick grimes finding a way of getting him out of the show mm. following that it, it has another time jump in it and and then really becomes another show again so it's almost a, a season of two halves those those first sort of five episodes are are the final episodes of of rick after that there is another time jump and you start to move in a slightly different direction as well that's really when it becomes angela kang's show angela kang is a new showrunner that took over uh, and that's really when it, it sort of starts to set out her stall for the vision mm. of where it's going um and i've i've been really enjoying it i it, it's worth another look other shows burden the truth i've been watching as well which is, is a solid kind of procedurally small town legal drama um yeah I mean, I finished it, but um, I found some of the episodes frustrating because they always seem to finish on the same note of her like, oh, I've got to pack my bags and leave again. Yes. Um, that's what yeah. frustrated that, me a little bit. What get, was getting a little wearing after a while. But uh, <laughs> I, it was, you know, it, as one of those, I mean, it's sort of those sort of sh- summer shows, really. Uh, yeah. And I'm very late to getting around to finish it. I've had it stacked up on the Skybox for ages. Uh, but, you know, as one of those kind of nice summer shows that sort of fills in a bit of a gap, I, I rather liked it. I really enjoyed it. So uh, so I thought that was quite good. Uh, Last Ship also finished as well for the very final time. Ended the everything, I think, 
in a nice, pretty rounded way, you know, didn't leave any threads dangling. Again, it's another one of those summer shows that you sort of, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. Not necessarily going to miss it particularly. It was fine, but I think it had run its course because it does Mm. get to a point of how many more disasters can like one group (laughs) of people on a ship deal with. Outside of TV was, of course, MCM Comic Con, which uh, we put a couple of the interviews up for for MCM Birmingham Comic Con last week. There is a whole bunch of these interviews, uh, including video versions of the uh, ones that were on the podcast. Those are all up on uh, YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash geektown. So David Morrissey, Jason O'Mara, Ingrid Della, who you won't know the name or the face, but uh, we put her on the podcast last week. She's the person that played Princess Leia in Rogue One, then had her face sort of masked over by uh, the lovely Carrie Fisher. So, uh, but she was really interesting just going through that process. Uh, Chai Hansen from the 100 and uh, uh, Shadow Hunters. Uh, We had an interview with a bunch of Power Rangers. Michael Berryman, who is a a classic horror actor. Uh, Lala Ward, who played Romana 2 in Doctor Who. Uh, Daphne Zugina, who is um, the princess in Spaceballs as well. The classic (laughs) Mel Brooks movie, which is an entirely random interview. But, you know, um, yes, very fun. Very fun. She's lovely. Uh, She was in One Tree Hill as well, actually. She she had quite a big role in One Tree Hill. But uh, we didn't ask her anything about One Tree Hill. We only asked her about Spaceballs. So... Um, and uh, the other big news is uh, we are now in December, of course. So that hey. means. The Geek Town Awards. The Geektown Awards have launched. Now you can go onto the website, you can go and vote for your favourite shows in uh, all the different categories. The prize this year is another huge prize. Uh, We've also got a runner-up prize as well. This year's prize includes... In the Geek Town Awards massive prize giveaway this year, you can win DVDs and Blu-rays, including The Greatest Showman, Coco, Rampage, The Family Guy Star Wars Trilogy, Jason Bourne, Jodie Whittaker's Trust, Avengers Infinity War, Alice in Wonderland, and The Lego Movie. Books and comic books, including a Harley Quinn notebook, an Avengers notebook, a Star Wars pop culture art book, a Doctor Who novel, Dimensions in Time and Space book, Sonic the Hedgehog notebook, Doctor Who Dalek notebook, and a Superman graphic novel. We have figures and ornaments, including Funko Pops from Gears of War and Magic the Gathering, Connects Family Guy figures of Peter, Chris, Brian, and Meg, a bunch of plushies, including the Ghostbusters Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, Godzilla, Batman, and WWE. We have a Dorbs Batman Riddler figure, Gotham Buck and Edward Nigma action figures, Breaking Bad Walter White vinyl figure, DC Icons Deadman figure, various Star Wars and Doctor Who figures and models, an exclusive Archer figure, and a cult vinyl collectible Highlander Connor McLeod. Other general geeky stuff includes a Star Wars The Force Awakens t-shirt, Family Guy Mouthful of Blanks party game, a Star Wars Kylo Ren ceramic money box, a South Park Cartman coaster, a Doctor Who Sonic Spock, Princess Bride playing cards, Batman egg cups, Superman backpack, and a whole stack of other geeky bits and pieces. Finally, we have a Now TV smart stick, plus a selection of testers for all the Now TV packages and an Amazon Fire 7-inch tablet. The whole price package is worth over £700. You can also be in with a chance to win the runner-up prize, which is a mystery box of loads of geeky goodies worth £125. So go to geektown.co.uk forward slash awards and get voting. So uh, that is the the prize package for this year, or some of the prize package, actually. That is in no way a full list of everything that is in the uh, main prize. There is a load of extra stuff because I keep on finding things around the house and like, oh, that needs to go in as well. (laughs) (laughs) I remember um, going into that competition this time last year before I was a co-host on Geek Town. Yes, unfortunately, (laughs) you're ineligible to enter this year. I'm gutted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yes, but uh, all you need to do is 
uh, go to the website, click on the Geek Town Awards tab. You can uh, go to geektown.co.uk, go and enter. You'll be put into the prize draw once you've uh, filled out your stuff. And uh, that's it. You've Good luck with winning. We will announce the winners in early January. They will get a phone call from me to say congratulations, you've won. And uh, that's it. So yeah, go to the website, get voting. You can be in with a chance to win a huge load of prizes. So that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to the TV and film news. So, TV and film news this week. We start off with renewals, cancellations and pickups. Uh, First was an interesting one. There's a show called The Passage, which is being picked up by Fox. It's actually a a Fox US show, which is is kind of why they've picked it up, basically. This stars Mark Paul Gosselier, who um, you will know from various shows, but uh, most famously playing Zach in Saved by the Bell. Uh, (laughs) He's never going to live that down. (laughs) That's, That's basically what people know for. But uh, Franklin and Bash as well was the other thing that people were know from. So where uh, it's it's him as a federal agent. Uh, he's protecting a young girl who was a uh, scientific test subject and she possibly is basically the saviour to humanity. And he's supposed to bring her to this uh, project, but he starts to become slightly concerned about exactly what they're going to do to her. So uh, becomes a kind of surrogate father to her and trying to protect her at any cost it's got a kind of vampire zombie-ish feel to it by the sounds of it. it that was sort of how it was touted originally it looks like it could be a really interesting show there is a trailer up on the website if you want to go and have a look at it coming to fox uk on the 15th of january that so that will be one to look out for it's uh, running one day after the us as well so there's not like a big gap it, it's coming fairly quickly mm. um other pickups, you've got uh, E4 have picked up The Good Place, which we were talking about earlier. It's now going to be yep. free to air. So it's still going to premiere the day after the US on Netflix, but it's going to be free to air on uh, E4 from 13th of December. They're, they're airing that. That will be running season one. If you haven't got Netflix and you haven't seen The Good Place yet, I urge you to go and watch it because oh, it, it's please absolutely do. hilarious. It season is the- one. Oh. Yeah, it's the best comedy I think you will see all, all year. It's one of the best comedies I've seen in a very, very long time. It's original and different and can't talk highly enough about it. AMC have renewed Preacher, so uh, that will be back for a fourth season. That, of course, runs on Amazon Prime over here. I actually haven't finished watching the final season yet because, I, I don't know, I just wasn't in the right frame of mind for it. I But uh, I need to go back to it at some point. Castle Rock has been picked up by Stars Play, which is the Amazon and Prime add-on channel, which is supposed to be coming to Virgin as well as as an add-on channel to Virgin. Although I believe they've been having some technical difficulties because it was supposed to launch by now and hasn't. So um, that is supposed to be coming 14th of December. That will be arriving on there for season one of Castle Rock, which of course is the Stephen King show based around various elements of Stephen King novels kind of all brought together into one narrative. Netflix have announced that they are doing a live action version of Cowboy Bebop, which uh, is an anime series, I believe. I don't know anything about anime. I know nothing about this. When you Uh, put it up on the website, I was a little bit like, what? Yeah, so... So uh, it's it's described as a space western jazz inspired genre bending story. Uh, oh, it follows um, <laughs> follows a, a bunch of people who are a ragtag crew of bounty hunters on the run from their past as they hunt down the solar system's most dangerous criminals. They'll even save the world for a price. 
So, I mean, it sounds like it could be quite fun. It's a co-production between Netflix and Tomorrow Studios, who are the people that made Aquarius and uh, the the upcoming Snowpiercer TV series. And uh, Midnight Radio, which were the people that made the wonderfully bonkers Zoo. So, um, yeah, um, could be interesting. It's been written by Christopher Yost, who was the writer of Thor Dark World and Thor Ragnarok. And he's written Star Wars Rebels as well. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, interesting. Interesting one, I think. A couple of news bits that have dropped today as well Comedy Central UK have ordered a new series of blockbusters I saw this <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with with Dara O'Brien the man who's who's making it his mission to try and host every single TV show on TV at some point uh, Dara O'Brien is, is going to be the host for it it's interesting that it's Comedy Central that have picked this up because they're obviously going for the kind of comedic nostalgia yeah and the sort of uh, 8 out of 10 cats does countdown audience I think is what they're aiming for yeah, I mean, I, Dara's great. I adore Dara. And uh, I think uh, Blockbusters was always a fun show and it always had that kind of cheesy cult element to it. So, yeah, great. Why not? Uh, that's coming next year. And then Sky have picked up uh, Dick Wolf's FBI series, which is uh, another procedural following the FBI. It's from Dick Wolf, who's the guy that does all the Chicago's and did all the Law and Orders. Yeah. So you know exactly what sort of thing yeah. you're going to get. With I mean, this. I've just I was just taking a scan of some of the reviews, and uh, I'd stay off the reviews before you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> really, are they some that people vicious? aren't being nice about it, oh, but I, I like Dick Wolf stuff, yeah. so I might definitely give that a go when it comes and give it a try. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take a look at it, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I, I've not really done any of the Law and Orders or any of the Chicago things because I, I just don't have the time but uh, I yeah. might take a look at that one Sky picked that up they've not said which channel it's on yet but I'm pretty positive it's going to end up on Sky Witness uh, at some point in the new year they've also extended their deal with uh, CBS for Elementary Madam Secretary and The Late Late Show with James Corden they'd already announced they picked up Magnum which is part of that little cluster that goes with NCIS LA Hawaii Five-0 and MacGyver which are all part of their own little universe so uh, yeah. it, I mean we, we kind of knew that's probably who was going to pick it up because they're not going to want it to go anywhere else so yeah so that's going to come early in the new year as well with Magnum the other big cancellation news which uh, was <laughs> sort of a larger story I just get my shocked reaction ready right um, yeah Netflix have cancelled Daredevil after three seasons no uh, this was a little bit surprising because up until now it had seemed like you know with Iron Fist and Luke Cage both both of those shows, they basically came out and said they'd lost half their viewing figures pretty much from the first season to the second season. There was issues with showrunners on Luke Cage, which also didn't help. There were sort of reasons why you can sort of see why they mm. might cancel that. This, I think, is the one that signals that none of them are going to survive. Because That's why when, when I heard about um, Luke Cage, I just had a gut reaction because it, it was not far along from the announcement of Disney+. Plus. So I just have a feeling and I know that, that we're waiting for Jessica Jones and The Punisher and I just have a gut that those two will follow in a very similar, very quick suit, yeah. which is why I'm I'm less surprised. I think I'm sad, but yeah. I'm less surprised than I, I thought I would be because I just felt like this was coming. Given the positive reaction that the third season of Daredevil got, yeah, if it was anything other than them taking them all off Netflix, that, mm. that just seems a surprise to me. And it seems to be a decision from Netflix side, not from the Marvel side, because none of the Marvel Studios team seemed to know that this was going to happen. 
happen. So, I mean, Jessica Jones uh, and The Punisher have already filmed new seasons, so those uh, are going to be coming out at some mm. point, but I rather suspect that those will be final seasons of those as well. So the question is really what happens now? And one thing we do know is they're not going on to Disney+, Plus, uh, despite Disney+, Plus being the new streaming service that they're launching. Th- this rather feels like Netflix have decided that they just don't want to pay the money to Marvel and Disney, given that they're launching basically a competing service. Because you've got to remember, as well as launching Disney+, Plus, they also now have a 60% stake in Hulu as part of that Fox merger. Ah. So... They, they've really been bombarded from all sides and although they're not going these shows aren't definitely not going to Disney Plus or at least that's what they're saying at the moment there are other possibilities you could move them wholesale onto Hulu if if they wanted to do that the reason they won't be coming to Disney, Disney Plus is because Disney Plus is a strictly PG-13 rated platform so you'd have to retool a lot of these shows and take out a lot of the sort of sex, drugs and violence in those Netflix Marvel shows to be able to get them onto that network which you could do but it would alter them in some way and i'm not sure whether they want to do that if they were going to move them to another service it's likely you probably move them onto hulu i don't know whether that's going to happen or not but that's certainly an option for them the other option would be that you do something which is maybe integrate them more properly into the mcu so you could actually introduce them into the movie universe, which they've only really been on the fringes of up until now. That we've yeah. never had any direct crossover. They've made references to it, but they've they've never had a full proper crossover with it. So you could potentially do that. Uh, who knows? Or it yeah. maybe that all the characters just disappear. But given never to be seen again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see maybe some of them move across. Because uh, Punisher has had run-ins with the Avengers, so it, it would be interesting to see particularly that version of Punisher crossover in some way. But I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see what happens with it. It's uh, it's very difficult to tell. They've repeatedly said that they are going to be showing up. There is going to be a future for these characters, but they, they could just be saying that. They've not made any kind of moves as to what that future will be. So we, we sit with intrigue and maybe it will make sense after Avengers part two. Yes, maybe. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. So, uh, yes, <laughs> Netflix succeeding where Thanos failed. Uh, <laughs> so uh, another Netflix announcement. Uh, they're making a Young Wallander series based on the Henning Maker books. Wallander, of course, is, is a show which I'm sure some of people are familiar with because it had a Swedish version and then got remade in the UK by the BBC uh, in uh, 2008 with Ken Branagh taking the lead. I mean, I, I don't know them particularly well, but it's it's um, basically that they're looking to take the detective and uh, make a new show with a British and Swedish cast. It's going to be a new original story. It's going to be set in Sweden. Presumably, if it's a British and Swedish cast, it's going to be in mixed languages, uh, going to be in Swedish and, Brit- and English, presumably. Uh, it's going to be seeing Kurt Wellander taking on his first ripping case. The story focuses on his formative experience is professional and personal facing Kurt as, as a recently graduated police officer in his early 20s so um, yeah I mean I do, did you watch any of the Lander series I, it was no not it never really um, appealed to me at the time 
time. Um, I do like Ken Branagh, but it wasn't something I watched. Um, if I watch any sort of the, uh, the those sort of dramas, I'm a Vera fan. I right. love, you know, if, if I'm going to choose any very famous actor who plays an aging detective, <laughs> Vera was the one that I went for. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, they, they're saying production will start next year, so it, it will be either next year or 2020 before it actually makes on there. But uh, the original novel apparently sold 40 million copies and has been translated into 40 languages. So uh, they kind of know what they're doing, I think. Yeah, potential up and there. <laughs> Lots of potential. So, uh, yes, Young Wolanda, that is, that's that's uh, either coming either next year or the year after. And uh, there have been a couple of bits of casting news as well. Alexis Denisoff is joining The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina for its second season. There's a man that knows something about witches. He did marry one after all, because <laughs> he's married to Alice Alison Hannigan, who, of course, played Willow in Buffy. Willow, yeah. So, um, yes, he's set to play a character called Adam Masters. He's the boyfriend of Mary Wardle, who's, uh, which is Michelle Gomez's character. He's described as handsome and charming. He's returning to Greendale after a stint overseas, working with physicians without frontiers so doctors without borders basically um unaware that his fiance has been taken over by the demoness madam satan so uh he's actually going to first appear in the uh, midwinter's tale which is this christmas episode which is coming out later in december so uh, he will first pop up in that but he is going to be a series regular for next season as well and they've also announced that uh, you know this um stephen moffat mark gaddis dracula series that yep, they're making yep. for the bbc the uh, taking the sort of Sherlock idea and making Dracula instead so it's uh, three 90 minute episodes they found their Dracula it's going to be Klaus Bang is the uh, man's name he's a um, Danish actor he said I'm thrilled to be taking on the role of Dracula especially when the script is in the hands of incredible talents like Stephen Moffat Mark Gattis and the team responsible for Sherlock I'm so excited to, that I get to dig into this iconic super interesting character yes he's evil but there's so much more to him he's charismatic, intelligent, witty and sexy. I realise there's a lot to live up to with the amazing people that have played him over the years, but I feel so privileged to be taking on this incredible character. I mean, he's not an actor that I particularly know. He does very much look the part. If you uh, go yeah, to the website just, and look I've the seen article, the image. <laughs> yes, very, very much looks the part. Yeah. I think he's a really suitable guy for it. He's probably better known to European audiences than he is to UK audiences, although he uh, is going to have quite a big year. People will know him fairly soon. He was in uh, Borgen, the uh, Danish drama, so some people might know him from that. He's about to pop up in the fifth season of The Affair, the big US drama, and uh, he's also got a bunch of new movie projects coming out, the biggest of which is probably The Girl in the Spider's Web with Claire Foy. He's got The Burnt Orange Heresy, which is uh, opposite Donald Sutherland and Mick Jagger, and Liarbird with Guy Pearce. So he's got some big things things coming out this year you think he's a young actor but i think he's actually in his like either 40s or 50s so uh, it just seems to have hit for him this year <laughs> so yeah uh, not in 1967 so yeah he's just over 50 yeah i mean he's obviously been famous in europe and been in some fairly big shows there but you know it really seems to have hit internationally for him this year so uh, yeah. which is awesome it'd be very interesting to see uh, how he appears in uh, in dracula i'm mm. very much looking forward to that series i think it could be really really good because yeah mark gattis particularly is a massive horror fan and they did such a good job with Sherlock it'd be very interesting to see where that goes so that's all the news we have for this week next we have the interview (laughs) 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The interview this week is with two of the composers behind the Amazon series, The Romanoffs. Romanoffs, if you've not seen it yet, comes from Mad Men's nine-time Emmy-winning creator, Matthew Weiner. It's eight separate stories about people who believe that they are descended from the former Russian royal family. It's a really good series. Um, it has a phenomenal A-list cast with people like Diane Lane, Christina Hendricks, Aaron Eckhart, Corey Stoll, Noah Wilde. Plus, I mean, there's I could be all day naming people, uh, but it's well worth a look. And it's on Amazon Prime if you want to go and see it. The two composers are Sonia Bilasova and Giona Ostinelli. Sonia is actually from St. Petersburg in Russia, the same place as the Royal Romanov family. Giona is from Switzerland, uh, but they now both work together. They're based in L.A., They've also worked on shows such as Sacred Lies, which was Facebook Watch's first scripted drama. They worked on Paramount Network's um, reimagining of the Stephen King novel The Mist. And they worked on uh, various other films and TV shows as well. So uh, it was really fascinating talking to them. They were really, really fun and were bouncing off each other. It was, it was a great interview. Here they are talking about their episodes of The Romanoffs. We'll see you afterwards with some... Highlights for next week on TV. Thank you for coming on to talk about The Romanoffs, which is the TV show you've been working on. Now, I've managed to watch the first episode of it, which I know isn't your episode, but I didn't realise that until after I watched it. I didn't realise that you were splitting them between two other composers. So I got an idea of the show. I just haven't seen your one yet. So sorry about that. No. They're, they're an hour and a half long, which is <laughs> it's quite long for a TV show. Yeah, so. it's like it's like eight movies. It's yeah, it's it's basically films. It's not a TV show. It's like eight films that. That's what I just said. Yeah, come out every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can see why they ended up splitting it over four composers in total. Are, are the other two guys working together as well, or are they separate? No, no they're separate. No, everyone was separately. Okay, we're the only team. Go team. <laughs> <laughs> So um, you've been working on the show, episode three, and you you got the finale as well, didn't you? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Coming out this week, yes. I think that makes you better than the other two. You got the finale. So. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want to say that. But, but well, since you bring it up, I mean... <laughs> I really hope I don't have to interview either of those guys later. Uh, <laughs> um, let, let's start off with a little bit of background. How did you guys get into composing in the first place? I'm assuming it's two different routes because you've not like always been working together. So. Well, I come, you know, I'm from Switzerland. So yes. I started out playing uh, drums and piano when I was a kid. And I always been uh, wanted to write music. I used to shoot, trying to recreate scenes from films with my 8mm cameras when I was a kid. So I was very, always very interested in um, music for films. And 
once I find out how to do it, how to pursue it. Then I just went on. I just took off from Switzerland and moved to LA. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, because, you know, growing up in Russia, I've been always exposed to this great Russian classical education that Russia is very famous for. Yeah. So um, I started playing piano at the age of five. I made my debut at the St. Petersburg Philharmonia, I believe, at the age of eight. Then around the same age, I started taking composition lessons. I won my first international competition, I think, when I was 13. And then the same year I received the Russian Ministry of Culture Award. I was admitted to college when I was 15. So for me, it was just a natural progression. I've been always surrounded by music. Uh, and yeah, it was just a natural and obvious choice. I think that's what you call overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, if, you wanna, if you would like to talk to more like mortals people, I'm here. I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, as we mentioned earlier, the Romanoff show, they're an hour and a half, so they are basically feature films every single week. You've done the two episodes, the third episode and the eighth episode, which is the finale. How did you get involved with that in the first place? Well, you know, with me being Russian and the show being about the Romanoffs, yeah. I might be a descendant from the Romanovs myself. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> quite possible. There seems to be a lot of them. So <laughs> so how could we not get involved with the Romanovs? That's more of a question. <laughs> yes. No, I think for us, though, when we saw there was this project, I think both John and I saw it as something that we haven't really done before. And because of that, that was very interesting for us. So when they entered post-production, we received the phone call that Matthew Weiner wanted to meet with us. And we well, met. I, of course. Yeah, we're like, absolutely. We met, we sat down, we talked with Matt. We realized that, you know, we share the same passion. And yeah, we just clicked very well. So yes, that was it. Matthew has a huge appreciation of Russian music. And so we had tons to talk about. Oh, yeah, there was a lot to talk about. About. <laughs> yeah, in general, he has a lot of appreciation for music, so he's very musical. So there was a lot to talk about, and then we went from there. He's the guy that created Mad Men, so you you kind of know that you're going to get something special. I think when you're working with a guy like that, yes, extremely special. And you know, they showed us the third episode, and we were like, "Wow, this is amazing!" We, you know, we, we really want to do it, and we started floating ideas and sharing ideas with Matthew, and it was. A lot of fun. <laughs> Sonia, your background, like you say, you come from Russia. Did, does that sort of influence your approach to the music for this? Yes and no. Uh, yes, because, I mean, it's a show about the Romanovs, or at least people claiming to be that they're descendants of the Romanovs. So we definitely wanted to have some Russian flavors in the score, but at the same time, we wanted to keep a broader perspective. So you get a little bit of both. Well, for example, for episode three, though. Yeah, for episode three, especially episode three, because episode three and season finale they're very different score wise episode three is very very eclectic whether episode eight is very thematic so specifically for episode three there was one scene for which we actually had to write a piano concerto which was done overnight so for me <laughs> being both a concert pianist that was literally a dream come true to write a piano concerto and then it became a nightmare come true when she realized oh i have to learn now and record it but <laughs> yeah you know that's that's yeah. different story so that's a different story but and then there was another scene for we, we actually wrote a Domra concerto. Domra is a Russian instrument. It's a Russian folk instrument. It's basically like a Russian version of a mandolin or lute. Right. And Domra is widely used in Russian folk orchestras. So there was one scene uh, which required that distinct Russian approach. You haven't seen it yet, so I'm not going to spoil it for you which one it is. Uh, <laughs> so 
Scenes. Yeah, it's multiple scenes, and this this theme just you know keeps developing throughout. It's a reoccurring theme. Yeah, it's a reoccurring theme. It just keeps developing throughout. So um, it ended up being a Domra concerto, and I had to call up actually my friend from Russia to record the Domra part for us because finding someone who plays Domra in Los Angeles and could record it in you and know, could rec- someone who could record it here that was mm, a little bit challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We contact them and they're like, yeah, give us a month and we can learn it. And we're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, so. I took a lot of my friends from Russia to record that for us but so yeah definitely a lot of Russian influences but we definitely wanted to keep a broader perspective and so there are other scenes with completely different approach like specifically episode 3 because the score is so eclectic we have some hints of the Hollywood golden age sound we have you know a big lushy orchestra then we have very chamber strings type of sections uh, and scenes uh, we have the scenes which are very electronic and scenes and for those scenes we didn't just want to use you know more synthesizers because the episode when you watch it you'll see that it has a very kind of vintage feel to it and so we didn't just want to use modern synthesizers but instead uh we went all the way and we recorded uh, seems through tape machine and then imported that into Protos. Um, so yeah, we went through the hard part. <laughs> it gives so, a nice feeling and it's vintage feel, so it was worth it. Yeah, you mentioned there that the the sounds very different between sort of episode three and episode eight. Is there musically any sort of through theme across all the episodes? Did you have any conversations mm-hmm. with the other two guys? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, because the whole point of the show is that every episode is a stand alone story it's shot in a different location it features different cast it's a different story different yeah. genre different everything so it's like eight standalone movies so therefore the score for every episode had to be completely different so between you know episode three and season finale the scores are absolutely different like as different as they could possibly get with episode three being like so eclectic and so versatile you have you know some scenes which are more russian then you have like this electronics then you have you know the piano concerto and the domer concerto with episode eight much more uh, would you call it more orchestral eight or well i would say it's very thematic because the score for episode eight basically all derives out of a single theme that gets introduced in the very middle of the episode so when we were approaching that episode we started by writing that theme and it took us a couple of days you know finding that theme and perfecting it and then once we found it we were able to you know go backwards and approach every other scene by planting hints of that theme into every cue so episode eight is incredibly thematic right okay what's the division like between the two of you do you work on cues and stuff together and then separate or are you working always together or how do you split things up there is no division we're always working together because it's uh you know composing you stay for so many hours in the studio by yourself and i think it becomes kind of like a trap and it becomes uh you know alone in your studio so Mm. sharing with somebody else i think it's great creatively because you can bounce ideas immediately and uh you can come up with more creative way to approach scenes and I think for us, you know, because we come from such different backgrounds, you know, me with all my Russian classical, you know, education and Joanna coming from Switzerland and having played in bands like rock bands, pop bands, we have completely different music backgrounds. So when we, you know, compose together, having the diversity of styles, like we complement each other very well. So we compose together. Yeah, there is really no division because in this case, you know, we we have we come up with new ideas and new approaches that we wouldn't even think of otherwise. 
So it's just much more creative at the end of the day. Also, for us, when we write, we also record on the moments. A lot, like we play a lot of instruments between the two of us, but we kind of divide the duties of who plays what. So you know, we're in the studio, and maybe I play something better, so I'm recording that on the spot, and then there is another something else that Sonia plays better, and so she records it on the spot, and we keep going back and forth. Yeah, because like when we, you know, when we write something, our writing process is kind of like producing at the same time because we do record a lot of instruments that Jonah mentioned. So yeah, it's it's us together in the studio 24-7, literally. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned some of the instruments you use there as well as using more orchestral sort of stuff. Are, are you actually using orchestra for that or is that created using virtual instruments and stuff? No, we are using the orchestra, yeah, in both episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's... there's- all the way. Right. Yeah, the there's way. there's like literally everything. You got access to a full orchestra for it. Yep. Nice. So was that recorded in LA? Well, we didn't record it in Los Angeles because we couldn't. <laughs> so <laughs> we in, what we did in Los Angeles, we recorded all the soloistic parts. So right. because we have a lot of soloistic elements, we have a solo cello, we have a solo violin, and we have a very virtuosic parts. So this was all done in Los Angeles. Because for us, also when we're recording, there is an orchestra. We still approach it very much in a very uh, record producing type of feel. So we do a lot of we try to have as much separation as we can between the elements. So as Sonia mentioned, all the soloists were recorded separately, and yeah, the solos were done separately. There was a lot recorded in our studio because we were doing it as we. As as we were going. So yeah, at the end, there was just an orchestra recording, which was done overseas. Yes. Right, okay. That makes sense. I mean, it's quite common for them to farm it out overseas, partly because it tends to be cheaper to do it that way than record placing people in LA. <laughs> it's cheaper, but it's it's not even that because, you know, with the whole union situation going on in Los Angeles, you don't, it's not always you can actually record in Los Angeles. Ah, right. Yeah. Okay. I see. Like sometimes you would have a situation when in your contract, actually, there would be a clause of saying you cannot use union and record in Los Angeles. Right. Okay. All that fun stuff. (laughs) Yeah, well, just something we have to deal with. Yes, totally. What's been the most fun thing you get to do on your job? We really like taking, you know, instruments and transform them into something else when uh, applying them to scenes. So I just really enjoy taking instruments, recording them, and then transforming into something completely different sounding-wise through the computer. Uh, Like another project we're working on right now. uh, So we ordered Airhu, which is an Asian two-stringed violin. Mm. So this instrument Mm. arrived for us from Singapore. And it's really fun because they had to obtain a lot of different permits in order to import it into the United States because the instrument has a snake skin on it. So finally, you know, after we ordered a month later, we received the instrument and it's beautiful. Uh, and we're using a lot of airhu for this project that we're working on right now. Uh, however, not, you know, with its natural sound, but we processed it a lot. We applied different distortions, different effects. Uh, and it literally sounds like an electric guitar. It's awesome. Yeah. Or for like, for example, two years ago with the mist, like we spent a week in our studio with an upright piano and we recorded anything possible with this upright piano. Like we bow it, we plucked it, we, um, yeah, like, I mean, we did so much to Yeah. It. We just literally spent the day in the studio with a piano. Um, there were two pianos. One was an upright piano. The other one was a grand piano. So we bowed the strings. We plucked them with like anything possible. We plugged them with coins. We plugged them with, you know, car keys. We on the, with the grand piano, we threw lithium batteries on the strings and recorded, <laughs> you know, the resonance. Uh, we screamed into the string and recorded that resonance. Uh, so like we did anything possible and impossible with the 
piano, then we gathered this whole library of effects, and then that became the core sound for the Mist character. Yeah, and then, you know, the transforming the sound with the computer with effects and other things, it doesn't sound like a piano anymore, but it has the organic sound that... Um... Yeah, we love that process of, you know, using a natural organic live instrument and then transforming that sound into something completely different and creating new instruments and new sounds out of that original sound. It's always nice when you get a new toy to play with as well when, you, when you're making music, I'm sure. Yep, <laughs> nope, that's exactly what it is. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, was, I, I interviewed uh, Nate Barr a while back and he's just finished this um, big cinema organ that he got from Fox. He's like built right. a studio around this organ. Uh, and I was kind of joking with him about it. I, every single piece of music that he writes now is going to have that organ in it somewhere because it's his new toy. <laughs> and he's been building it for like five years. So. Yeah. Well, you know, also how easy because for now, you know, on the computer, but we try to use samples the least as possible. Yeah. Well, yeah, because samples are great. And, you know, especially with the technology now being so so evolved, samples are getting better and better. However, the downside is, you know, this is the technology available for everyone. So mm. why would we want to use something that's available for everyone? So not only, but then your sound, sound you don't sound particular anymore. You just sound like everybody else. So we try to use like majority just what we record ourselves or what we create ourselves. Yeah, then, we have a lot of libraries. Yeah, we have a lot of custom, custom li- libraries. Yeah, custom libraries that over the years we created. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> like you say, it's always good to sound unique on these things, you know. So yes. talked about sort of the most fun thing. What's the most challenging thing for you on a project? I don't know, actually. Having Sonia singing. <laughs> <laughs> the most challenging thing. I'll kill you now. We just finished a TV show oh my God, called yes. Sacred Lies. Okay, and he's right. <laughs> yeah, that's the most challenging thing. She's Russian. Oh my goodness, she's so stubborn. So uh, <laughs> we just finished this TV show called Sacred Lies. For, uh, it was the first Facebook watch TV show. And we approached this uh, score very much in a uh, record type of way. Yeah, writing that score was literally like producing an album because, you know, some of our early conversation was with the showrunner included that we're going to be using, you know, female voices and vocals in the score. So we started with that and then, you know, while we were writing, we felt like it needed more. So from just, you know, using voices, we started, you know, writing actual songs, lyrics uh, and and, and lyrics. And I had to sing that. Yeah. So I had to sing. was, you know, she's not, I mean, she's not a professional singer. I mean, of course I sing. Of course I sing. But <laughs> I, I don't see myself as a singer because I'm a pianist. Uh, so I had to sing. And it was fun. Well, for her, me trying to convince her that her singing is actually really good, really excellent. It was, um, it was a challenging. I still remember a whole weekend we spent in the studio and I was telling her, I was like, these vocals are perfect. And, uh, no, they were not perfect. Yeah, it was a weekend of like um, <laughs> troubleshooting vocals. <laughs> but you know for Sonia I mean she has perfect pitch and for her singing I mean she's always spot on on it so uh, she's very humble about it but she sounds great every time it's just taking her out of the shell <laughs> pretty much <laughs> So what has been your favorite experience whilst you've been writing together? I think, you know, every project has something different. I think, you know, it's the overall creative team that we get to collaborate with for every project. That's literally the best part of it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, on the Romanovs, collaborating with Matt, you know, with the other creative team, including the M, the editors, the producers. It's just such a cool team behind it that, you know, when you get to collaborate with such awesome, creative and passionate people. And inspiring people. And yeah. inspiring people. They inspire you to write music, to write awesome music and to create something unique and different. So I, I would say, at least for me, this is the best part of my job. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. I, especially because, you know, on a project, you stay for a long time. So... Like you can be on a project from several months to several years. Let's say it's a, if it's a TV show that lasts for several seasons. So. Right. So I, I think inspiration is really dependent on the people you work with. You know how they inspire you and how you know they you know inspire you to do something cool and different. And to me, that. it's the best thing when you meet with a director or showrunner. You have a productive conversation, and then you come back to the studio and you're bursting with ideas and like that tingling that you get. You know that you want to create something new and something unique, and you want to try things. Like that's literally the best thing. Well, that was uh, for both episode three and eight of the Romanos. That like we met with we met with Matthew for episode three with Spot, and then we came back and it was like bursting with ideas. Also because the deadline was very tight. But yeah, for episode, three, <laughs> for episode three, we had a week and a half to uh, record, mix, and deliver the score. Uh, for episode eight, yeah. Well, yeah, especially because a week and a half, and you think, well, a TV show, it's, you know, it's a long uh, time. But this is, first of all, it's like a feature-length type of film, mm. of, of episodes. Yeah. And then, you know, a week and a half, like in two days, we already had 90% of the score done, showed it to Matthew and the producers, get notes, and then be ready, you know, setting up the recording session and all of that so yeah so like literally the composing part to a couple of days it was you know the rest organizing recording delivering yeah i mean i remember the domra concerto like we it was written between 1 a.m and 5 a.m and then at 9 a.m we had the meeting with matthew to show him the music <laughs> wow yeah, yeah. It's, and it was you know showing up at the meeting was like well hopefully we still like what we did last night <laughs> yeah that's that's a, I mean I've heard tight turnarounds on TV shows before but that's crazy yeah and then you know because also it was a highly virtuosic music so recording wasn't just you know you record and then hey that's it you know the recording is mm. perfect it's still a lot of like like on a record you know editing the player make it sounds great the best you can the best take so it still took time so once the recording was done it was still one two days of producing the, the soundtrack and then delivering to the dub stage so we were literally delivering the music as they were dubbing the, the episodes yeah that's what episode three it was episode eight we had a more relaxed schedule because that particular episode was done way in advance so right. they were like well since we're done we might as well give it to you guys so <laughs> we had I think four weeks yeah like slightly over a month to do it so that was relaxing yeah yeah and you know that's we took our time that's why we spent like three days on coming up with the theme and perfectioning and i think we're doing like a queue every like it would take us like one two days to do a queue and we were making it perfect and then you know when we showed the music to Matthew, yeah, it was fun because uh when so when we received that episode matthew was actually out of town so he didn't have time to do a spotting session so we just met with the editor and the producer we sat down and we kind of went through the music and talked about it so then you know we got the episode we wrote the whole score uh, and then Matthew, when he heard the score for the very first time, you know, he directly like we didn't have any spot in sessions with him. So he did not really know what to expect. Then he heard the score. He's like, yeah, I'm great. Yeah. He, <laughs> he was asking to move up the, the dub mix earlier because he was like, this is done. I mean, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> Matt, you do realize, right, we still have to, you know, record it. <laughs> yeah, record it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But episode eight was very nice and very relaxed.
relaxing schedule-wise. Yes. Good, good. That's much better. So you're done with the Romanoffs now. What's next for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we cannot talk about it yet. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you're going to hear it soon. It's, uh, it's cool. It's something that, uh, let's just say there is a lot of hurdy-gurdy. There's a lot of hurdy-gurdy. So we ordered hurdy-gurdy and I'm learning to play that instrument and I'm having so much fun with that. And yeah, I'm becoming a virtuosic hurdy-gurdy player. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Is, can you yeah. can you say if that's a TV or film? It's a TV show. It's TV a TV show. show. Okay. Uh, interesting. Okay. I, I Well, I'll, I'll look out for that. And uh, the the last couple of questions that we always ask people. First one is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Uh, we just finished watching Killing Eve. Oh, ah. Killing Eve was cool. And that was such a killer TV show. Yeah. <laughs> it was so terrific, the TV show. I just loved it. Everything was so amazing about it. Another one we finished also quite recently is A Very English Scandal. Yes. Have you seen uh, that one? See, terribly, I haven't, even though it's a BBC show. <laughs> <laughs> no, that one is great. Yeah. It's, it's, that, both, I mean, both are great. Hugh Grant's performance was just terrific. And yeah. Yeah, we've been actually watching a lot of British shows lately. Yeah, a lot. Don't know why, but yes. Well, because yeah. they're good. That's why. <laughs> yeah, they are. That, that's the thing. They are. They are really good. We're really enjoying them. Yeah, every aspect of it. They're always very good. So, like Killing If is just such a great show. I'm dying for season two. I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm very much looking forward to that coming back. And uh, the last question: If you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present, or future, which show would it be? See, that's a hard, difficult question because there are so many TV shows that I really love, but I love them because how they are done. So. Yeah really necessarily see like oh if i would do it would i still love it no it would be different mm. so uh, you, you know the the thing it's like it's like you know if you have a book you know which book would you have loved to have written but then it would be different it wouldn't yeah. be that you know what i mean well you can pick a you can pick a future kind of genre maybe that you'd like to work in oh a future genre well sonia this on you <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have a genre preference. It's really about the project for me, you know, how inspiring the team is behind the project, how interested I am in the project. Uh, you know, if it's something that we haven't done before, like with the Romanovs, for example, that was something completely different for us. And we were so excited about it. Or with Sacred Lies, we, we got to actually like the score was literally like producing a record. So we produced the whole album with songs, with lyrics, with me singing or like with The Mist, you know, creating all this, you know, weird sounds and sonorities, you know, with the piano, with other instruments. So like, you know, when we approach every project, we try to do something unique and different and something that we haven't done before. So to me, it's not really about a specific genre, but just being excited about a project. More about the, the, the about the opportunity, the, you know, that to create something new and cool. Any particular directors or, or team that you would like to work with, though? I would work with the Romanov team in a heartbeat. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, that's very true. It was such a terrific thing. Uh, yeah, I, I mean. It was... Yeah, in a heartbeat for me, because everyone is just so dedicated and so passionate about what they do. It's, it's really, it's such I mean, a pleasure. It's very intense, but it, that's good type of intense type of experience yeah because like you know everyone on the creative end of the team they're all 
like very hardcore perfectionists and mm. so are we so yeah. yeah i mean i never met on a tv show you know editors that would stay you know working over the weekend or that at midnight they were still there working every day and this was that team that because we work long long hours and i was so surprised that i mean they were the same and i never had that experience before especially that's rare yeah that's very rare so it, it was really cool it was um really such a cool experience mm-hmm. awesome all right well i let you get back to it thank you for coming on and spending a little bit of time just to chat through your work awesome. oh thank you so much Dave. thank you so much really Dave. It. it was really a pleasure well, yeah. soon we'll be able to talk about another project you'll see yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, i look forward to seeing what that is when that comes out because anything if it's got a hurdy-gurdy in it that's gonna be worth listening to. <laughs> oh, trust me, it's gonna be. Doesn't just have a hurdy gurdy; has a virtuosic hurdy gurdy. Ah, well, there you go. You see, <laughs> awesome. Ah. Well, I should look out for that anyway. Awesome, Perfect. awesome. Oh. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. All right, cheers. Bye. Okay, cheers. Bye. Bye. So that was the interview with Romanov's composer Sonia Bilasova and Giona Ostinelli. You can find the Romanov's on Amazon Prime if you want to go and look for it there. They are, as I said in the interview, about an hour and a half long. So, you know, they are effectively like watching a movie each one, but they're well worth it. They're really fun, really interesting. Now we have some highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week on TV. Uh, as we're in December, of course, there's very little actually starting at the moment, although there is one, well, a couple of fairly big programmes that I am quite excited about. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is back for its second season. That's on Amazon Prime on the 5th of December. This is, outside of The Good Place, the best comedy I've seen in years. It's hilariously funny. Uh, it's written by the people behind the Gilmore Girls. It has that sort of snappy dialogue that you you know from the Gilmore Girls. It's just phenomenally well put together. I can't recommend this highly enough. So if you've not watched it yet, go and watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, the first season of that. It, um, and uh, second season comes out on the 5th of December. It's absolutely brilliant. Fortitude is back for its third and final season. I think this is a shorter run as well, but uh, that's on the 6th of December that comes back 10 o'clock so uh, return to the slightly odd arctic town of fortitude love the first season second season i was a little bit mixed on so we'll see where it goes with the third season to see if it managed to pull it together one of the problems i had with the second season was it was a bit too long and they were stretching things out so if this is a shorter run that might actually mm. improve things the ranch is back for season three or part six depending how you're counting it they seem to be very confused with how they're, they're putting this together in terms of the, the segmenting but uh that's that's back on netflix on the 7th of December which um, if you're a fan of that go and see that and Counterparts second season of that comes on to Stars Play which is the um, Amazon Prime add-on channel first season of Counterpart was absolutely brilliant second season I've seen the first couple of episodes because I interviewed some of the guys there is a interview going up on the website fairly soon so look out for that and that's everything for this week unless you've got anything else you want to mention no I mean we're, we're fast approaching on Christmas Not next time I'll be on we'll be talking probably about what we binged over Christmas Christmas, what we liked over Christmas and all that sort of thing. Yes, yes, so, quite yes, possibly. Um, Merry Christmas to all the Geek Town listeners. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, we will be back next week. Uh, I, I'm not sure who's co-hosting next week, but we will be back next week. That's everything for this week. Uh, if you want to get the latest news throughout the week, you can go to geektown.co.uk and find all the news and air date information. If you got it, want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at 
Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geektown, and on Instagram at Geektown UK. Especially if you're a cosplay fan, there's lots and lots of cosplay stuff on there right now. Also, you can find us on Spotify. Go and search for Geektown Radio on Spotify. You can listen to us through that. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.